Join us as we, Angelica Martin and Laura Murphy, navigate our own forced hiatus from the ad world. Listen on as we break down recent ads in conversation with the industry's sharpest minds and your everyday man. This is Ad Break. So this week on Ad Break, we broke down Carlton Dry's fantastical new ad Drylandia with Vince Usher, lead brand thinker at Thinkabell. Vince has worked on everything from Australian bananas to Rexona deodorant to now specialising on the line account at Thinkabell, recently putting out the Forex State of Origin postcodes campaign that is adding to his collection of awards. It's so good. Yeah, so Vince was my mentor when I did the course strategic planning course with Ad School and working with him was just so inspiring. He really helped our group out and ever since then I've just really looked up to him so it was so fantastic to have him on the podcast today. It was a natural fit um, and we spoke to him about his journey to strategy, his unique approach to social media and how to make beer ads memorable. So as Vince was our very first guest on the podcast, you might be able to tell throughout that we were a little bit nervous. (laughs) (laughs) But we learnt so much and we hope you all do too. Okay, so welcome to our episode. Thanks for joining us, Vince. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So Vince actually inspired this podcast after a chat we had with Vince and told us about his own podcast. So you should check it out, Son yeah, of a Pitch. Son of a Pitch. Go no, check don't it do out. That. That's terrible. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Very excited to have him on. So without further ado, let's get into what broke us this week. Would you like to start us off, Laura? Oh, okay. A bit of context for mine. I, I'm an active person, but I wouldn't say I love running. Um, and I was at the pub a few months ago with some friends and they go, do you want to go to Orange? We're going to Orange. I was like, great. They've got great wineries. Mm-hmm. They go, actually, no, we're going for a trail run. We're doing 23 kilometer trail run. Do you want to join? I thought, absolutely not. Um, but they're like, don't worry. There's an 11 kilometer one. So after the 23 kilometer offer, I thought, wow, 11 kilometers is totally achievable. <laughs> it's also like five months away. Where's the harm? I'm now one month out and I think I've run about three times. <laughs> and I was there for one of those runs and it was not a run. Yeah, it was that a walk was a with right. like some intermittent things. So yeah. it broke me when I went for a run this week and realized how absolutely unprepared I am for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, what broke you this week, Joel? Probably when we recorded our intro episode earlier this week. Which sat, I hope you've all listened to already. Yeah. Sat in the back of my stuffy little car and recording that little 10 minutes took us about an hour and a half. Super sweaty, definitely broke me apart a little bit. So Vince, join us in our despair. (laughs) (laughs) What broke me? What broke me? Uh, There's been plenty of things that have broken me this week. The thing that broke me the most, so at the moment when I go home, usually I I go to the gym straight away and then I get home and I eat eat up a storm. And I was going to do that this week, but I decided, you know, one time I wasn't going to go to the gym and I was just going to eat a fucking pizza on the couch in like pure bliss. Awesome. So here, here's where it all broke down, right? <laughs> so I get home, I get my pizza, you know, it's all ready, I'm ready to go. But then little Frankie, my tripod cat. Yes. So Frankie's Frankie's awesome. He's got three legs. We got him from the RSPCA. He lived on the street for like five years. He's an absolute gremlin. So when food is around, he will just hammer you. And uh, I could not eat this pizza in fucking peace. And I was like, (laughs) 
get out of my face. And he's crawling all over me and like <laughs> grabbing the box and stuff. And I'm just like, this is not relaxing at all. So I had to pick up Frankie and then I had to put him in the bathroom and lock him away. But as I was eating my pizza, I was, was thinking nice. about how sad Frankie was in the Aww. bathroom. He scratched at the door. And yeah, that they broke They love me. a guilt trip. Yeah. Cats love a guilt trip. They do. They it's do. messed up. Anyway, Laura, what brought you back together this week after your, your run? You know how there was that thunderstorm earlier in the week? I was pumped for this blue moon. I was like, this is literally going to be the light of my life right now that I literally. need. Yeah. Covered in clouds. Oh, yeah. no. Kind of a terrible day the next day. But then I'm like driving and I just, I let out a tiny squeal. I was like, look at the moon. And it was just so big and round and beautiful. It was. Amazing. Back together. So clearly not a lot going on in my life right now. What brought you back together, Joel? I had a lovely meal at Rosie Campbell's in Surrey Hills. I've never been to that restaurant before. It was Jamaican food. Never had Jamaican oh, nice. food before, like jerk chicken, whatnot. I feel like most of my what brought me back together are going to be food related, but that was a fantastic meal. Definitely go check it out. Not sponsored. But not sponsored. <laughs> hashtag not now. Reach out. <laughs> Vince. Uh, what, what brought me back together? I think uh, we have this thing um, at Thicker Bell called the Pot of Gold. Essentially, what they do is they'll give you five grand for an entrepreneurial idea that you have, as long as it's good enough to be made. And myself and a couple of the creative boys that work within the agency pitched um, a really irreverent, crazy idea. Mm. Can't divulge what it is. You know that's You'll have to be ours. following me on LinkedIn um, and all the social channels. At Finn Sasha. That's it. Yep, yep. <laughs> hit me up, hit me up. Um, yeah, with the venture capital, please. Uh, but... Yeah, we got we got funding, so we're we're happy about that, and we're gonna bring some crazy shit to life. And when I say crazy, it's like it it's fucking funny. Like, That's awesome. I'm very yeah, excited. This thing takes the piss completely and Fantastic. yeah, I like it a lot. So that's what brought me together. That's so exciting. That's a mm. big Congrats. one. Put my moon mm. in the bin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, Pisces rising, I, I, I had some good knowledge on it. come through on the, the apps. Thanks Frankie for the, uh, for the update on that one. <laughs> Frankie, my cat, but Frankie from Thinkabell, um, who likes to give me the, uh, the horoscope <laughs> tips. All right, so let's get into our next question for you, Vince. Mm. Um, have you ever had an ad break? Because Jill so, and I are on our own forced right. hiatus ad break, but that can mean anything, whether, you know, a holiday that taught you something, uh, maybe you've been fired, a career pivot, a gap year. Have you ever had an ad break and what did it teach you? I think when you get into this industry, it kind of consumes you a little bit and you think about ads and creativity and ideas literally 24 fucking seven, or at least I do. Uh, and it's kind of like impossible to escape the world because advertising just permeates every second of every day, right? Like we're, we're surrounded by advertising right now as we speak, <laughs> um, you know, and you see it when you get home and it's on all the TV and everything. So it's really hard to actually have a, a good break. But one time where I did have a good break was, was recently my wife and I uh, went on our honeymoon and we went to New Zealand and I had this blissful break where I hired this Land Rover Defender and just drove through the countryside um, and did a bit of four-wheel driving and, and chilled out and sat in lakes and, you know, read books and, and did all of that stuff. And it was fucking amazing. Nice. It was so good. And reminded me kind of 
just how much we pollute our brains with meaningless mundane shit that gets fed to us from these fucking algorithmic networks and things. And, um, yeah, I came back, I deleted the social apps and, and never kind of went back to that. So, um, yeah, that was, that was my ad break. Thanks New Zealand for that, that experience. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, really good. Just on that with your, like, deleting on social media and saying that you never went back. Yeah. Um, you say never, that's sort of what started it. Yeah. How do you operate in that way now, like in the industry that you're in? Like, how do you stay on top of like trends and audience sentiments and making stuff for the platforms if you're not actively engaging them? Like what's your process? Yeah. So one of these things that I really enjoy is this uh, philosophy called the derive. And it's this French word that means uh, basically the drift. And it was created by these guys called situationalists back in the 1950s. And they were like this philosophical movement full of like anarchists and punks. And they came up with this kind of thing where they were really worried about psychogeography. So essentially like the way that we design cities and urban environments and stuff to kind of pen people into particular routines and, and, you know, things of that nature so that everyone's doing the same thing all the time in the same way. Um, No one ever kind of walks off the beaten path and, and goes and explores things. We're all just working in this efficient an effective kind of system that's been set up. So the derive was was this kind of um, philosophical game, if you will, where you kind of leave your house and what you do is uh, you go for a walk. But when you go for the walk, uh, instead of going to a destination, you literally just follow your nose as to what's interesting. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything. It could be like, oh, that's an interesting street. It's got a red sign there. I'll just go have a look at that. And then you just keep walking. And when you do that, you get exposed to all sorts of shit that you're not meant to be exposed to. And as a result, you get all of this really interesting kind of knowledge and experience from that. Uh, And the reason why it's important, and, and I use that to kind of frame up the social media thing, is that I think social media these days is all platforms that are set up in algorithmic ways to make people kind of follow these similar routes, right? Yeah. Like when you think of your mates, like what are they watching on Netflix? They're probably all watching the same shit that you are, you know? So we get stuck in these kind of ruts that we can't break out of where Mm. all of the media and information that we're getting fed is just the same thing that everyone else is getting fed. So not having access or exposure to that isn't actually too limiting for me in my career because I get told about all of this stuff from everyone that I'm around anyway Mm, without actually having to typically experience it. But when I say like all social media, I kind of lie. So there is, uh, there are some social media platforms that I, I do follow, but they're purposefully not algorithmic so reddit for instance Mm -hmm. like i'll take i'll go on there and i'll take a kind of an approach that's uh based on timely updates and i'll be able to curate my little um things that i look at you know as Mm -hmm. far as forums are considered and all, all of those things so I do get exposed to all sorts of content um but the content that i'm looking at is generally just weird shit that just people aren't And that actually, as a strategist, is a really big strength. Yeah. Because strategy is usually about bringing together and making connections between obscure things that shouldn't be put together. Um, And that's where you get insights from and novel kind of solutions to problems and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I think um, that's the whole theory behind the social media thing. So backtrack a second um what was your journey to becoming a strategist like your career journey to where you are now 
Yeah, yeah. So this has gone out there on a couple of podcasts now. So I've oh, got to keep. I've got to keep fucking consistent with it. Otherwise, <laughs> they're going to see through the laugh. Yeah, like every time I like tweak it a little bit to make it sound even more cool. So I think um, the way that I usually start this is like when I was. Uh, 16 i was a graffiti writer getting up to no good painting trains doing all of that type of stuff and within that little community people have kind of identities and um there's profile and all of that type of thing and i was really attracted to that Mm. um and the creativity as well so i was doing that but i've always had this kind of rational side as well where i'm looking to make use of the things that I'm doing to kind of take me forward into the next stage of life. And I grew up really fucking poor, like super poor. So I've always been really worried about staying poor and not having a great life. Mm. So I thought, you know, I really like this graffiti thing. And I stumbled upon the the strategy um, thing in advertising. And I was like, wow, this is basically just propaganda is basically just graffiti, but on behalf of corporation. <laughs> Literally. And um, yeah, like when I got deep into the advertising thing, I was I was kind of looking at the different creative that was out there and I'm like, this isn't terrible art, even though there is like a commercial side to it. It is insightful sometimes. It can kind of, you know, provoke and, and make change and all of those things that I was looking to kind of do with the graffiti as well. So... Um, yeah, decided to go chase that. And so in doing so, I uh, did a lot of research on advertising. And one of the things that I did was uh, a Skillshare course that was put up by Julian Cole um, online. Yeah, for free. He's a legend. Um, and that taught me about comms planning. And I thought that's fucking amazing too. Like there's a little bit of strategy here and it really like tickled my rational brain. Um, and I spoke to some people and pivoted and then found an overlap in media and then just moved over to media um, and started a little bit of a media strategy career um, originally in social media and moving into connections planning and now brand planning and creative um, side of things. So, mm. What do you see the role of strategy in the creative process as, in at least the way that you operate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can play like a million different roles. So there are strategists out there who do one thing but can't do any of the other stuff very well. And I think those guys are kind of fucking useless, to be honest, because it's like there are briefs that call for different skills and strategies like not so wide and diverse in the things that we have to do that you shouldn't be able to do all of it. Mm. That's just my opinion. I for mean, sure. other people are like, you know, it's the whole jack of all trades, you know, type of thing. How would you like to find that collaboration? Like, I think um, you were telling Jill the other day that you have like a very involved briefing process or you yeah. prefer like a creative style briefing. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, 100%. So when I do briefs or I work on a brief with creatives, they're there from the very beginning. So I'm not going and being like this isolated planner who sits there and just tries to come up with the you know, the crazy thought or whatever alone. Yeah. We usually get there quicker all together. For sure. So I hang, yeah. <laughs> you guys so, sorry are so about cute. This is, this is like, yeah. It's like sitting next to twins. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, so, so I'll work with my creative teams really, really, really closely from the very beginning. And I'll ask them, you know, what do you think 
um, is the answer to this? How should we approach it? And then we'll spitball and, and, you know, brainstorm, do all of those things, go on walks, talk about it. And in the act of just talking about it, we'll usually get to some really interesting territories um, that Mm. I can craft and make really narrow Mm. so that they can take that and jump off it and use it as a kind of a, a platform to come up with whatever creative executions and ideas that they have. We've got this thing called a creative contract here at Thinkabell, which I really liked, where it's um, every team is kind of comprised of a core thinker and a core tinker. Yep. Um, a core thinker is like your account management strategy type and then the core um, tinker is your creative type. Could be an art director or a copywriter or whatever. But they both have to agree and sign off on a particular brief that's been given. Mm-hmm. And the brief doesn't have to have a proposition. It could have an awesome data insight. It could have a really cool observation. It could have just a quote. Like whatever that little bit of creativity is or the nugget is mm-hmm. um, that you can use to get to a creative idea, that's all that matters. Often clients will be like, I can't believe how much passion you put into writing that. <laughs> like one of the comments that I had from uh, our client at Forex was, if anyone in the factory read that brief, they would run through a fucking wall for this creative. <laughs> and I was like, Hell yeah. yes. And that's exactly that's, what you want. That's what you want. Yeah, you want to inspire people. You want to make people feel like they're doing something important and meaningful. For sure. And when you do that, the creativity often ends up being that way, Mm. you know? Well, bringing up Forex, I think, is a fantastic little segue to our next question, which is chatting about, you know, you work on a lot of beer brands with Lion. You know, the beer industry has, like, a very rich history of advertising. So we were kind of wondering, how do you bring like a fresh strategic perspective to a category that has such deep rooted, you know, history and traditions. Yeah. So it is really interesting um, because like, as you say, the groundwork's kind of been laid in that category Mm. and a lot of people come at it different ways. Some people come at it and they go, I need to rewrite history because history has changed and people have moved on. Mm -hmm. And then some other people come at it And they go, these traditions and these rituals are sacred and people are still using them today and loving them and, you know, but we need to make them contemporary in that we need to reflect contemporary people following those rituals or traditions, Mm. you know, and carrying the the torch, so to speak. Um, And it depends which brand you're working on as to to which route you kind of go down. So Mm -hmm. some brands, the rituals and traditions and the history of the brands, you know, fucking terrible (laughs) like they're not things that are saleable to you know a generation today like i don't know if you guys have seen the five cougars please ad that is like not an ad that could exist in today's day and age no i don't think so but back in the day it was like one of the most popular ads that was ever made Right. right um so you couldn't refresh that history with contemporary people and just do the same thing. So you'd have to do a complete rewrite there probably. Mm -hmm. But things like the brands that I work on, so Tui's and 4X and these iconic Australian kind of behemoths, Mm -hmm. they have history that you want to lean into. For sure. And you want to protect. But you want young people to embrace it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you want to feed the funnel with new people creating their own history and adding to you know, what's been been done in the past. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the way that I approach uh, that question. Mm. Yeah. Is it a bit of a wank 
Or is it making bank? Let's break apart a recent Aussie ad with our industry professional and the everyday man to figure it out. Thank you so much for sharing that. You've had obviously worked across a lot of beer accounts at different agencies. Um, and you spent a bit of time at Clemenger as well, didn't you? Did, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but they've just come out with an ad um, for Carlton Dry called Drylandia. Now we'll be joined by a little everyday person from that target audience. Welcome, beer drinker Chris. Welcome yeah, beer drinker Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I've now got a lot of high expectations for this because Carlton Dry is my favourite. Is it? <gasps> that was going to be our first question. Yeah. Damn, okay. Carlton Dry is by far my favourite. So. Is that right? Yeah. But no, tell us tell us about your beer drinking habits, Chris. Tell us about how you have qualified for this position as beer drinker, Chris. Well, I like to think of myself as an enthusiast. Enthusiast, sorry. Always yeah. uh, dabbling. No, but there's different beers for different occasions. So you have your everyday go-to. Which is in this, for you, In this Carlton? case, Carlton Dry. So you've sure. always got that in the house. Okay. Um, then, you've always, then you've got, say, like when you're out at like a restaurant, you might go, oh, we'll dabble on like a little Peroni because it's on tap. You wouldn't mm. normally like go out for it. But then you sometimes have like, oh, I'm, I'm out and there's like different craft beers on tap. So you can have like one or two of them before they start to get too heavy, too uncomfortable and you're... Can't have it. And then you've got St. Patrick's Day. You're having Guinness. <laughs> no. What? No, I can't Are you do serious? Guinness. Well, a little disclaimer <laughs> of why this is a bit of spam in the work for us. We're going to show you the new ad by Carlton Dry. And then we're going to do a little test where we're going to have give you a white label beer and a Carlton Dry. And based off the ad that you've just seen, are you reaching for a Carlton Dry? So I'd like you to imagine you don't know what the night's offering and you need a beer. Which one are you going for? But first, let's watch the ad. So what Chris is viewing is a TVC from Carlton Dry's newest platform, Drylandia, created by Clemenger. The ad introduces an eccentric, faraway world where 10-metre-long horses fly through a series of floating portals and bottles of Carlton Dry hover, offering relief from the heat. Okay, so you've just watched the ad, Chris. Initial reaction. If I was going purely off that ad, I'd probably go... The wild level... The ad was weird, I, like, Ooh. it was a very bizarre ad. Like, it, for the first bit, I was like, oh, I don't really understand where they're going, what they're doing. And I know, like, when you think back to, um, I suppose the most iconic one is, like, it's a big ad, right? Yeah, classic. That was also in the realm of, like, it was weird. <laughs> it, or it was it was random. But then by the end of it, you're like, yeah, I'm kind of getting on board with this. Like, there was the build-up to it. It just felt bizarre. So that was your immediate thoughts. Thank you for sharing. Um, Vince, as a connoisseur of beer ads and mm. beer itself, what were your yeah. immediate thoughts when watching that ad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very much in the same same camp. Like, what the fuck is going on with this fucking ad? Like, at the start, I didn't necessarily know what was happening until it said, it's a beer. Um, <laughs> But I, I was fucking intrigued. Like, I was definitely engaged with it. And I was definitely, you know, I wanted to kind of see what happened next, even though it was bizarre. We similarly were like, what the fuck is going on? I personally buy into the absurdism, but I can definitely see how the point could be lost. It kind of looked like a V ad. Do you remember when mm, yeah. V did like all, that, like, you know, that, like all the clouds and stuff? Like, when you first turned it on, I was like, oh, is this maybe like an energy drink ad? Yeah, so I actually, I was working at Clemenger BBDO, the same agency that made this ad. Yes. When they made the V ad that he's referring to. Oh, no way. So it's the, the procrastination place. So it's the same agency. It's, it's the same agency. It's a different team. Yes. But it's a very similar ad. And this is a trope and a style that a lot of different brands go to where 
they just go full absurd. Like, how absurd can you possibly go? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very purposeful technique. And I think the reason why it's interesting for this brand in particular is because Carlton Dry really has no fucking discernible proposition whatsoever as far as being a beer is concerned. It is kind of the neutral beer. When you're talking about a craft beer, that will have a very particular proposition, right? Like, oh, this is tropical or this is a hazy or this is, you know, a Guinness, which is a a hardcore stout. Or like Chris was saying, this is a Peroni. It's a little bit fancy, so I'll have it with a meal. Like there's a distinct proposition. Carlton and just like every other beer that is a lager ostensibly has no proposition. So you've got to wrap it in some sort of idea, right? Um, and they, there's this old saying like with beer, you drink the advertising (laughs) and that's what they're trying to do is imbue that beer with some sort of interestingness so that when you're drinking it, you feel more positively about it. Um, and if you've never tried it, you're going to think it's a lot more interesting than it is in reality. Do you feel like the creatives hit that strategy? Yeah, I do. Like, uh, like honestly, like from my point of view, I think one is really fucking well crafted, super engaging. It's kind of funny, like yeah. when the chick telekinesis is off yeah. the, you know, the the bottle at the, the bottle cap at the end, like that's pretty funny. The dude is fucking bizarre with his like mullet haircut. You know, is that going to appeal to kind of your everyday beer drinker in the western suburbs or whatever? Maybe not, and maybe that's why it feels kind of isolating to to Chris. And I think add. Ab world kind of gets into that habit a lot. When we go down these absurd routes, we kind of navel gaze a little bit and we get into the, you know, the indie hipsterness of ourselves and yeah. like really lean into that. And people people out there aren't just aren't into that shit. So they're just like, I just don't get what the fuck's going on here. But like we we can be memorable. Like if you totally cast your mind back now if I go to to his extra dry, they used to have that um, the, tongue. the tongue. Yeah. Or they had the other one where like the guy would like pluck like a hair of his head and he'd plant in the ground like a corn. Yeah. And he'd, like then they'd like sprout with like the beard. He'd like freeze him so he could like get more beers. Totally. And I always remember like my mum was like every time that egg come on, you'd know about it in the house. She'd be like, oh, I hate that damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> but like now it was like so iconic and ingrained. So like uh, yeah, weed can be memorable. So Chris like Vince has just said what how like he thinks the creative like when with hitting the strategy like do you feel like that point of like trying to have a point of view or making fun of the fact that there's a lack of point of view of Carlton Dry do you think that's coming through or do you think that requires you know, like a bit of analysis that maybe if you're just watching it in passing you probably wouldn't think about I think it definitely lands on him what he said having well now that he said it it makes sense that it, you know it's not standing for anything that's kind of what it is it's also kind of funny because like when you compare it to Carlton I suppose the the older father of of the beer like they had some of those really iconic ones in the day it just doesn't ever feel like dryers kind of had something similar they don't feel like they've had the same sort of iconic ads with them as well i think added to that as well we make a mistake a lot of the time thinking that an ad has to resonate to be effective Mm. but there's a lot of science out now that talks about kind of building memory structures and all those sorts of things which chris was kind of alluding to there like is this a memorable ad that's probably where this has kind of failed in that he remembered the procrastination place energy drink when he was meant to be thinking about the beer Mm. and that's kind of like taken two memory structures jammed them together and that's less impactful 
as a result of that. Where Tom, the Tui's ad, mm. is super... Like, you're not going <laughs> to... You can't mistake it for you, anything. You can't mistake it for anything else. You know that was the Tui's ad, right? For extra dry. And the same thing with the, you know, the five seeds kind of um, plant the hair thing. Yeah. Um, so I think, like... Where this, where this kind of works is that it is well-branded. Like, you don't leave it thinking it's for another beer, um, even though you think it's for another category, an mm. energy drink, because Carlton Dry is obvious within the entire thing. They've got the beer out the front, you yeah. know, you're watching it the entire way through, and then it lands on this dry landier kind of thing. I think they probably could have brought up the Carlton Dry logo at the end, you know, and made that bigger. So it Make really the logo like, bigger. Yeah, well, yeah. Not crazy. A creative agency saying that. But um, <laughs> branding's really fucking important. Well, it's interesting because we had a look at some of the comments on that video, and there was very much mixed opinions like definitely people saying like you know this is the beer of choice for 20 somethings at parties and you were kind of saying that this is the beer you got into when you were a 20 something right yeah definitely and um and someone said you know they're gonna love this and i do too so yeah there's that idea of like maybe maybe the younger audience are gonna go hey like i'm just getting into beers this is standing out for me but then some of the other comments address the fact that this whole fantasy made up land thing has been done to death in advertising. Well, yeah, like I don't see any other beer kind of taking this route today at least, which makes it distinct in that way. To either of you, anything that you would possibly change or build on or eliminate to have a greater impact for this ad? Yeah, so the ad needs to be... I know I said it was well-branded before, but um, it only in some parts of the ad is it well-branded. I think they could really sweat the distinctive assets a lot better. So the unicorn horse thing, I didn't really... Like, that is a distinctive brand asset that's on the bottle um, that they've carried through, but I didn't make that link. Ah, true. Um, yeah. Because it was kind of, it felt like a unicorn. It didn't feel like the horse that's kind of on the bottle. And this is interesting because this is more of like a racing horse yeah. as to your mythical creature horse. So there's that, and I'm not making that linkage. It's not reinforcing any of that memory structure. I think the blue, I didn't see any blue in the ad bar for the dry land here at the very and a lot of pink in the background there's a lot of pink and a lot of green and a lot of like it felt like adventure time that cartoon so you're not necessarily reinforcing any any of those memory structures around the brand or anything you know art directors might disagree but i'd, I'd improve it by you know getting more of these colors and distinct features and things yeah. more overtly and prominently displayed within the ad and you could do that without losing the absurdity i think I like the portal. I feel like maybe they could have done something with the portal because that was yeah. kind of like the hook of it. But also in that classic, I don't know what I'd change, but I'd change something. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 do, just do the thing and then it'll, you know, it'll yeah. work. You'll know when you see it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I guess that brings us to our final deliberation. Do we feel like this ad is a bit of a wank? Or is it making bank? I feel like because it's wanky, it's going to make bank. It's weird, but I think it's gone weird enough that it'll it'll work like I like I was saying about like you know the ones that I've been able to remember from like many years ago mm. it, I hope it might have that long lasting kind of effect mm -hmm. I feel given what you've said about um, young people in the comment section commenting on it and going oh like that would be a good house party beer um, that is obviously yeah, hitting some tonal notes that are kind of right with that audience mm. so they're filling the funnel with you know people who 
like to Chris's point, you know, it's their first beer. They're going out and they're looking at the fridge and they're going like, what am I going to pick? Oh, that was a really fucking interesting, you know, funny ad that I saw. I might just give that a go. Um, it definitely works on those levels, right? So it's creating memorability and salience, albeit it could have done it a lot stronger, um, but it is doing that job. It will make bank, um, especially if they put a lot of money behind it. Yeah, it could be a really interesting platform going forward. Yeah. Totally. I'd, I want to see the through the line campaign, not just the ad. Like, do does Drylandia exist in, in reality? Like, do they turn a house party into a dry land here and have all sorts of weird shit you know in mm. different rooms that you can go and experience in in real life or you know do we turn billboards into portals that Ooh. every day chuck out weird shit onto the street that you can go and pick up and enjoy like i don't know I'd, I'd love to see the dry land platform kind of exploded i think there's lots of potential there but just doing the ad that's not enough. They definitely have to, yeah, they have to exploit that. Keep pushing it. Well, they should listen to this yeah. podcast. There are some great ideas there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send the invoice later. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Very great discussion. Thank you to our everyday person, Chris. Thank you for having me. So thank you for dedicating your Friday night to hanging out with us and talking about ads. One last question for Vince. Any advice for us for getting out of our ad break? Yes. Um, tell people on this podcast right now that you want a job and that you're willing to do whatever it takes, uh, including working late hours and for not much pay. Um, and people might hire you and that would end your ad break. So keep in mind, we're doing this for free late at night. After hours. <laughs> Think of what we could do with just a little bit of money. Think that is it. true. I can confirm. I can confirm. <laughs> um, but go and make fucking ads yourself. Uh, I know that both of you are really fucking talented, so I doubt that ad break is going to last very long. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Vince. Some very, very kind words from Vince there. Uh, we had such a great time chatting with him on the podcast, as I'm sure you could tell. And we've got some really exciting guests coming up soon. So if you want to stay up to date, feel free to follow us um, at Ad Break Podcast on LinkedIn. Till next time. See you next week. This is Ad Break. Ad break.